On Living a Sex Positive Life, we explore all aspects of human sexuality. We talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures and the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. We strive to be an advocate and an empowering force in the fight for sexual freedom. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and talk about the touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. Good evening, everyone. It's Angelique Luna here with, um, uh, yeah, John C. Luna had a massive cat allergy attack that lost a voice, so mm-hmm. I, yeah, there you go. He grunted. Yay! <laughs> I guess that's the most I'll get out of him this week. So I'm very upset about that. But in this special edition of Naughty in New Orleans, we were talking to someone that you would never ever think would be at a swingers convention, the Reverend Jamal. He was an interesting gentleman to talk to. And fortunately, I did not get to chat the whole time because I was super hungry. And our food delivery guy said, oh, I'm here. 45 minutes later, he finally showed up. But so I missed like the rest of the interview. So you'll catch me like in the first five, ten minutes. But the rest, it's all John and Reverend Jamal. So hopefully you enjoy the rest of our Naughty New Orleans interview with Reverend Jamal. Ciao. Bonus material. From the man who was just naked in a cold room getting a blowjob. No, he's not bashful. (laughs) Not bashful. And that's how our interview starts. Yeah, really. So, we are in New Orleans. New Orleans? For na- Naughty in New Orleans. Our first time, and we're virgins, that's according to the rest of the Twitter verse. You know how long it's been yeah. since I've been a virgin? Very long time. I can't remember. Have you popped oh. a cherry yet? Have, have, oh, yes. We were at the Playrooms last night. Oh, good. But so you, Was a collective cherry popping? or did... We both had fun. Yes. All right, good. We met a very nice couple that we plan on. Uh, uh, Hoping to see again during this week because it's only today and tomorrow, and we're done, and then we're back Sunday on the road again. Well, we should probably go ahead and say, I'm John. I'm Angelique. And we are sitting here with Reverend Jamal. And this is this is poppin', cherry popping because this is our first Reverend on the show. Well, I'm glad what? to be here. I'm happy to be your first. Well, we, we. I'll see if I can live up to the expectations of being the one that. Was your first? We're, oh, we're going back to cherry popping again. It's all about a religious experience altogether. Isn't or that spiritual, what we're here? Right. Spiritual, sorry, I was. Uh, I, I always have an issue with religion because that's organized and spiritual. It's just exactly spiritual. It can be your own relationship with yourself or with your own deity, whatever you call it. The spaghetti monster. Yeah. Hopefully not the spaghetti monster. Oh come on! There's nothing wrong with the flying spaghetti monster. I love well, the collagen on my head. You won't let me, so. Of course not. You are a very spiritual person, though, Angelique. Yes, very. Very, very, you can tell right by the necklaces I'm looking at. But as far as being an organized religion, it's interesting. Uh, we both grew, grew up Catholic. Uh-huh. Um, He's recovering. You're, yeah. I uh, you grew You grew up more in the Mexican Catholic. I grew up more in the uh, Ita- Roman Catholic, Italian Catholic. New York. Oh, totally. That's a totally different Co- I had a cousin, yeah. Vinny. And uh, there's a lot of um, control, shame, guilt. 
guilt uh, that I had to get through in coming to terms with my sexuality. Sure. And the moment I heard you, and you are the current host of the Second Coming Show. That's right. And I love how you spelt it. Just didn't cut any... Cut, cut. No, cut to the chase. Yeah, straight to the chase. You know what you're listening to. Well, I mean, it's, the title says it, right? There's clearly some religion or spirituality, and there's clearly going to be some sex. But Absolutely. But I want to go ahead and bring up, we'll cut straight to the chase then. Uh, you are a ordained reverend, aren't you? I am for over 20 years at this point now, I guess. Wow. And continuing that and then still talking openly about sex. And just because we get asked a lot of questions about that on how do you reconcile these two, I've never seen them as, well, no, let me say that. Growing up, I saw them as separate because that's what I was told. And after a while that I felt like... Um, when I didn't want my religion so much to control my life as opposed to support and add to my life and came to terms with my sexuality, um, I kind of got away from more of the organized religion but still love to be spiritual. I feel I have a great relationship with God. But a lot of people still have that issue with how do you reconcile being open sexually as well as being religious. Well, I mean, the reality is, like, if you look at spirituality versus religion, if you just accept that the two are different, like that's the beginning part of having that conversation. Religion is something that man created, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? There is no religion. God did not create a religion. There's not the word religion doesn't even appear in the Bible. It doesn't appear in the Quran. It doesn't appear in in any of the spiritual text. The Tao Te Ching. You, you will not find anything where it says go create this organized thing with all these. There's none of that. Right. So religion is what man created. And then spirituality is what's always been there. Right. But what's always been there has always been open because all of the stuff that says it's not supposed to be open is in religion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So from for the way I look at it, I start with that premise that spiritually speaking, none of the taboos that are in religion exist because spirituality is above religion. It's kind of it's it's what I guess if you'd say God naturally created, it's that thing. And then religion is a subset. So I can just ignore this subset because I know where that came from. Nice. But my spirituality, I can't ignore that. I mean, I can't I can't I came from that. Right. Right. So so that was the easy part. I mean, I won't say the easy part, but that was the foundational part. The rest of it is just when you start thinking about it. Um, when I studied, when I first started my ministry training at Morehouse College, the dean of our chapel, I think I said this on one of the shows, he said something about, you know, if God can fit in your puny religion, you're serving the wrong God. And I started thinking about, I hated when he said it back then because I was really more um, fundamentalist back then. Mm-hmm. But the more I thought about it over the years, I realized what he's saying is that, you know, all these books and religions where they're trying to say everything about God fits here can't be right because God is everything. How could God fit in a religion? How could God fit in one book? If God is the create, you find like you can't you can't fit a painter in his painting. You can't fit a sculptor in his sculptor. That's you, true. You You're looking fit, at the work. No not creator the fits in it inside of its own creation. So I just look at it as this is stuff that people told people mm-hmm. and told themselves. And I get to choose whether or not I want to tell that stuff to myself. And even when I left kind of the official, you know, ministry in the church, one of the reasons I left was because I'm like, I don't have to choose to tell people this story. Mm -hmm. 
But if I get up every day in these church traditions and keep adopting this dogma and preaching it, that's exactly what I'm doing. So I stopped. Very interesting. Very enlightened, yeah. which well, which is very nice to hear. It's um, There's plenty of uh, podcasts and, and, of course, articles and blogs out there talking about sex. Very few of them even touch on the religion. It seems to be that hot topic yeah. that, you, you, you know, no one wants to really touch on and be on the wrong side of it. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, when we did the Everything Sexy show, I got the majority of the comments or uh, messages were from men, primarily a few women, but mostly men who were saying, I'm Christian, I'm Catholic, I'm Baptist, I'm whatever. And you seem so comfortable, you know, with your spirituality and your sexuality. And I just don't. And I want to be like that. I mean, literally asking, how did you how did you get there? So while people are afraid to talk about it, everybody's interested in hearing about it. Isn't that the truth? Right. Because like, that's that's the quintessential question of our existence. How do we find a way to feel good about what we want without feeling bad about whatever it is we think that our higher purpose or what God wants? And if you can find a way to put the two together, you can be a pretty happy person. Sacred sex. That's a great term I love. Love that. Love that. Brings us... Uh, Again, the word sacred, a lot of words we tend to redefine is what I'm finding out. Sort of like feminist. When I heard, first heard feminist in the last five years, I'm thinking what I thought, which was, you know, the 1980 definition of a very angry man-hating person. Yep. But obviously, in, in the new century, it, it means so much more than that. It's just basically a woman-positive type person. And sacred sexuality is an interesting thing where they're trying to bring together uh, sex and not so much God, but the, the spiritual Spirituality side of it. Yeah, come on. We we took our tantra classes like for what three months there. Went to a week in Costa Rica, and you saw how different it is—the energy work and the time putting into it, trying to heal someone from a spiritual side versus just fucking. Yeah. Well, but look, I mean, so even even if you take religion and like, so we take the the more common Western ones that at least are more common in this on this side of the planet. They're really young. Yeah. Right. And then you have some the Eastern religions that are actually much older. And if you go back and like do his uh, re study religion and spirituality chronologically, the further you go back in time, the more you start to see sex the sa and the sacred come together. Because right. many of the rituals in some of the more ancient traditions are sacred sexual rituals before mm -hmm. most of these religions were in the Bible. They talk about the pagans. The, the pagans were the people that were there before. Right. And it's and the, ritual Everybody sex. gets like, they get yeah. all these negative names. They make if a pagan, it sounds bad, but like that was the religion. Those were the religions mm -hmm. that existed before all of the stuff that we now as Judeo Christi Judeo Christianity came to exist. Mm -hmm. They were all sexual rituals. Oh yeah. They had tons of sexual rituals. They're still practice them. There's a lot of you, sexual, but they call it witchcraft now because right. it's so evil. Go, and I'm look like, at the no, hieroglyphics in Egypt. Um, they're, t I mean, you know, the childbirth process, the child conception process. These, they were all like sacred gifts of life, and of course, and they were like poly because in Egypt, it took a village to they, raise a child. Yeah, they weren't. Yes. Like, there was, there yeah. wasn't no husband and wife, and we sitting here raising our 2.5 children. It was like yeah. there was. Unfortunately, there was like, you know, a lot of times it was a husband and 10 wives. It never, the wives never kind of got the role reversed unless you were in some, royalty. In, actually, believe it or not, in some, and it was all found out to be, I believe it was mostly towards the Amazon, where it went the other way, that due to, due, due to um, 
problems with childbearing, there ended up being more men than women. Sure. So there ended up being women usually took on two or three husbands. But it's, that, that was more on the other side of it. Um, in a lot of uh, the other cultures, the men went to war. Right. So there ended up being a lot less men to yeah, a lot sure. more women. So it was more like a, a thing, a happening of circumstance. Well, and there, I mean, there are some ancient civilizations where women were in charge, you know? Oh, yeah. Where, I mean, oh, yeah. You know, this whole idea, like, we're trying to fix that now, but there was a point in our history where this, you know, male dominance didn't exist. So, like, the minute you start to realize that all the stuff that you think is real isn't real, mm-hmm. it's just what you know, is the minute you start to realize, actually, what I know can be whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Because I can make it whatever I want it to be. You know, it's not, none of this stuff is real. And that's something I found out when doing research is that a lot has changed in the last hundred years. Going back to the, just a simple saying, history is written by the victor. Yep. We're led to believe a lot of stuff has been this way for a thousand or two thousand or many more years than that. And so much has changed in the last hundred years. Or even two hundred years. Come on. The whole ideal of marriage because of love is just because of William Shakespeare within the last two hundred. But the majority of it was a business arrangement. Yeah. Right. That's all it was. The, 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 the patrilineal society really was created really for uh, economic arrangements. Mm-hmm. It really was because men were like, well, let's see if we can figure out a way. Because, you know, you don't want to, people didn't want to be spending their money or giving their money, passing it down to other people's children. Right. Um, it wasn't because it's right. It wasn't because this is the way it must be. It was like, okay, this is an easy way for us to figure out how to control the passage of wealth. Mm-hmm. is by making it a more patrilineal, pat, pat, patriarchal society because we can probably, you know, keep track of the men more than we can keep track of the women or all that kind of stupid stuff. But also at the same time, that's why priests don't are not allowed to marry because of the land agreement. Yeah. So because they were going to have children, right. so instead of it giving it to the church, they were giving it to their offspring. Exactly. So that's why they, the church said, Nope, nope, no more babies. Right. It's not, there's nothing. I mean, there, I mean, people tell these stories about like Jesus didn't have sex, although there's wide debate Plenty. about that. Right. And, um, you know, but there's never a point where Jesus or anybody ever said, hey, so if you're going to go work in the church, you need to be celibate. No. Mm-mm. Right. That's just something that somebody. Well, they took the, they took the idea of devoting your life to God. And said, oh, this means you must be celibate and you can't get married. But it's not, nothing specific there says any of that. So it's, it's, it's very, it's very interesting. Um, one of the things I always go with about, again, the past 200 years, so much has changed is to the fact that, um, right now we have a problem getting sex ed in. And there's a lot of groups that are very much saying, oh no, you can't spoil our child's innocence. And if you look at history, going back, age of 13, 14 was the marrying age for yep. women. It wasn't the age to hide them and put them in a closet and say, oh, no, no, you're, you're this glass slipper that cannot be worn or looked at because then you're spoiled and your virtue's gone or some other crap. And we've changed it just in the last hundred years to be like, oh, no, no, they're, they're 18 now. They're still too young. I'm like, no, no, a hundred years ago, your grandparents were getting married at 13 and cut the bullshit. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's part of the the reality is we as a society fail to stop and think for a minute about how old humankind is. Mm-hmm. You know, these things that we think are second nature or are just the way they are, are concepts that are very new. Monogamy, like it may as well be a brand new car when you consider, compare it to the state of relationships 
over the existence of humankind, which goes back, monogamy goes back a couple hundred years. Like human beings have been around for like thousands of years. And marriage in a lot of places, which is not monogamous. Right. And again, a lot of it we're saying is America-centric stuff. But one thing I was amazed about was it was, uh, God, a decade ago, the prime minister of um, France died. Yep. And in his funeral procession was his wife next to his mistress. They knew each other. They had different roles in his life. And they were both fine with it. Yep. It wasn't, oh, my God, I'm jealous of that woman. There wasn't that whole jealousy thing. It was they each had their own lives and their own functions. And they didn't prescribe to uh, our American view of this is the way it must be. Well, the funny thing is, like, <laughs> you know, we talk about the American dream. And I always ask people, like, is that really your dream? <laughs> because if you get if you get everything that's in the American dream, are you going to be happy? And most people are like, actually, now I think about it, no. So why is that our dream, right? Okay, two point five children, a picket fence, you know, a middle class job, and I'm supposed to be thrilled. Life is, could be so much better than that, you know. Oh yeah, you know. Even I mean, also I find a wife, I'm supposed to be with her for the rest of my life. Yeah, she's going to love me and take care of me, and maybe even wipe my ass when I get old and I need it. But that's it. <laughs> That's all. That's it. That's it. That's the that's the extent of my. Uh, I can't have fun too. It's almost like fun isn't in the American dream. And it's almost like if you want more than that, you're greedy or you're wrong. Exactly. Right. Well, we're going to take just one quick break and do a quick commercial, and we are going to come back talking with Reverend Jamal from the Second Coming Show. I love that name. Hey, John. I want to get a new toy. Okay, so let's go to Fair Villa. But I don't want to waste time trying to find out what goes with what. Well, there's Fairville University, and their staff is very well-educated and helpful. Okay, but how about if I just want to go to a party instead? Then go to their website, because on their calendar, they list all their events. But I don't want to spend a lot of money. Have you heard of their loyalty program? Oh, yeah, that thing on my keychain that makes everyone blush every time they see it. That's the one. Let's go. Well, they have over five locations in Central Florida. Which one do you want to go to? Fairville. For, for pleasure, fun, fun and, and fantasy. fantasy. All right, we are back with Reverend Jamal, and we are talking about, um, well, religion, sex, the last hundred years, the patriarchy, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, um, next we really wanted to talk about, uh, again, we kind of separated sex from spirituality, and it's great if you can combine it. It is a little separate. Um, One thing I am glad to see that uh, religion is finally coming around, most of them, and finally embracing alternative relationships. And it started over the last few years, uh, last decade or more, um, with churches actually accepting, uh, obviously, LGBTQ community. Right. And I myself am bisexual and kind of... Good for you. Well, it, it, it's kind of like we play the fence on that. Yeah. We always call ourselves a silent B because we're, we're, we can blend into both communities, right. but both neither community really understands us. Exactly. But, um, and now... The church is kind of moving on, even dealing with something like an open relationship and, and, and polyamory and all this stuff in the last... It seems like the floodgates have opened. Or they were kicked open. I oh, people, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's the story of life, right? You know, you take it and take it and take it till you can't take it anymore. And, you know, women have finally said, okay, we're done with all the misogyny and, you know sexual assault and whatever the lgbtq community said oh, hey we're kind of just we're just done you know being treated so we're just gonna do what we got to do i mean 
history has told that story a million times. You know, women's right, women's suffrage, the civil rights movement. When people finally say we've had enough, shit changes. And I think we, we, we definitely hit there because there is so much going on. It is a great time to be alive. Yeah, no. I mean, it's, 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 these are the moments that um, legends are made of, so to speak, when you finally, you know, this, this, like this is the making of a movie one day when you're like, hey, there was a time when we couldn't talk about this in church. And then, you know, there's a documentary about how over the last 10 or 20 years now we can. I, I hope and, I'm alive. Hopefully, we're, hopefully we will be contributing positively to that movie. I just hope I'm alive when I get to see that documentary because I just watched one on Stonewall and it was like made in the yeah. 80s from the 60s and man, it, it, reminiscing about old, old things and the way things used to be. But um, yeah, I never, you know, it's funny. Um, I don't know about your quite path on how you got here, uh, but part I never actually thought growing up that I'd be dressed in all white walking down Bourbon Street in a sexual, what is it, uh, they didn't call it sexual Sexual freedom. freedom. It was it was a sexual freedom parade, and we had people throwing uh, the beads and doing all that stuff, and it was such a positive reception. Yeah, absolutely, Wait, I mean, every year there are a few protesters, but even this year, I noticed. I don't even remember seeing the pro- protesters. Excuse me. Last year, I remember seeing them visibly. You'd see a few of them standing in the corner with their signs, and they'd sometimes scream and holler. But they're so such a small minority compared to people that come out to see and support. So, but. 10, 20 years ago, that might have been different. So tell us about your path on how you've gotten to where you are. I mean, you're up there now. You're a public figure now. Hardly. I, I know, hardly. Yeah, well, but, but it is funny when you come here, like if you have a podcast, people are like, oh my God, you have a podcast, like you're a special. Or can I buy you a drink or whatever, which is really, really nice. Well, it was funny. I went to the podcasters meetup yesterday from yeah. New Orleans. And I swear the place was probably smaller than my house. And they had a cap, but they had 330 people in there, squeezed shoulder to shoulder. And I thought it was going to be a little podcasters meetup of, you know, us little local people who don't, you know, we just, look, we bought a mic, paid for a service and got up and started talking. And all of a sudden people listened. Yeah. No, that's exactly what it is. But people, I guess they appreciate what we have to say. I guess they do. A lot of people um, want to hear more, but don't know how to ask for it. Exactly. So they count on us to open our mouths and just spit it out. But as to how I got there, um, I literally just over the last 10 years, series of personal things happened. I lost my mom a few years ago. Um, you know, my, as my kid got older, I mean, I've gone through some challenges with my kid. Things have happened in my life where they caused me to realize that the people that I love, love me no matter what. And the people that don't, don't matter because the most difficult experience of my life the people that were there for me i could count on maybe a hand or two tops and Mm -hmm. uh, they were there for me you know without me even asking and the rest of the people that i probably cared about what they thought or liked or didn't like they weren't there and then you start wondering well why would i live my life for those people if they can't be there for me for my uh, most difficult and challenging moments why do I care what they think about my life? So I just start saying, you know what? Even though I've always been pretty open about my sexuality and everything, everybody, everybody who's known me over the last 20 years knows that if they open up their Facebook page or their Instagram and they're my friend, you're probably going to see something interesting. <laughs> yes. Maybe you'll want it, maybe you won't, but you're going to see something like, hey, that's, that's Jamal. He's doing Jamal. 
But over the last couple of years, last five or so, I just finally said, I'm just going to be completely open about everything. So from the swinging and everything else, because I used to feel like even with my uh, relationships, oh, they're going to think, oh, he's only with her because she lets him do what he wants to do. No, I'm with her because I love her and she loves me because she understands who I am. And this us doing whatever we want to do is, is a product of that. But at the end of the day, I'm like, the the people I'm trying to impress or I was worried about, their relationships are fucked up too, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. But my friends, the few that I was thinking about who might be like, oh, he, oh now I get it or something. Uh, I've been on the phone a million and one times with their relationship problems. And, you know, I have a ton of guy friends who just always tell me how they want to cheat on their wives. You know, boys trips bachelor parties they can't wait to go go to vegas for a weekend we won't tell her i don't understand that that cry for freedom if you don't have freedom in your current relationship then why are you in it right exactly because we've been told that we should be in one and we've been told this is what it should look like and people believed it uh, it bothers me how people like on breakups and divorce still look at it as a negative Sometimes breaking up with someone can be an amazing, you know, relief. It is uh, on both sides. That sometimes, I think people in open relationships are forced to talk more, and therefore we're forced to deal with our problems. Exactly. This so is why they last sometimes? It's not that we don't have the problems. It's just that we don't ignore them and say everything's okay and keep going and put, as you say, that American dream of the white pecket fence, the two kids, and everything's okay. Right. We go through a lot, all the same shit they do, and possibly more. But the difference is, we don't we don't bury it, we don't hide it. Uh, at right. least that's what you have to do if you're going to be successful in some type of open relationship like that. Well, it's all about like you know spirituality. It's all about the foundations, right? So if you go to like the the foundations of any almost every world religion is love, loving mm-hmm. each other and treating people the way you would want to be treated. Like those are like foundational concepts of almost every significant religious tradition in monogamy those are not the the foundational concepts are you do what i say and we kind of can't do this there's a lot of negatives a lot of control principles and open relationships the foundation of the whole thing people think it's sex it's not sex it's communication because you can't even get to the open sex until you've had the courage to communicate that you want it. You have to say to your partner, either before you get in the relationship, this is what I'm like. And if you're interested in me, then I want you to know this so you can decide if you're interested in it. Or if you decide later in your relationship, you have to get the balls to open your mouth and say, hey, I love you, want to be with you, but I have these other things I'm interested in. What do you think about that? Well, we're all human and we're taught not to want more. In the sense that in the corporate world, yes, you want more. You want the bigger house, the nicer car. But in your relationship, you're satisfied with the the deal you were dealt. Uh, And if your wife or husband or whatever spouse doesn't like X or doesn't do X, well, then you're not supposed to like that too. Exactly. And um, being Italian and my wife Mexican, we always compare things to food. So we try to explain this in food terms to vanilla people that, okay, let's go ahead and say you like apple pie. You really like apple pie, but now you married someone. They don't like apple pie. So therefore, 
apple pie is also removed from your life. And I said that once, and someone in the background, it was a group of people, said, fuck no, I ain't giving up apple pie. Right. I mean, that's the most absurd thing. And the, the, the idea that a partner would ask you to do that kind of begs the question, wait, I really love this thing. It makes me feel good. I enjoy it. Maybe there's, you know, apple pie, there's all kind of tradition and history behind my love of apple pie, which I love apple pie. Oh, hell though. Um, but because you don't like it, I'm supposed to not like it anymore or not have it anymore. That doesn't feel very loving to me. If, if anything, loving, which is what we do in, in swing and some of the other alternative lifestyles, the whole idea of compersion, it's all about, you know what? I like that you like that, even though I don't like it. So I know you like it. I want you to have more of it. To me, that feels loving. Like, mm-hmm. I get that you like this thing. And even though I don't like it that much for myself, I'm either going to indulge it or not. But more importantly, I want you to have more of it because I know it's going to make you happier. To me, that sounds like, like talk about a WWJD, like what would Jesus do? <laughs> like that sounds like something Jesus would say. Je- I, don't, I can't imagine like fi- opening a Bible in red print where it says, thou shalt not eat any more apple pie because <laughs> thy spouse saith not. Dear God, no. Right? But that's what people want you to believe about your relationships. That, well, okay, your spouse doesn't like this anymore, doesn't want to do this anymore. You should just cut it off. I I just spent four hours working the uh, registration desk. Had a very long talk with the security guard down there, the sheriff. And it's very interesting because what it came up with at the end of it and talking to her, she's like, well, it sounds like for most of the stuff you think is about sex, you're coming to a conference about sex, your relationship is less about sex because it's not on the it's not really on the table as a point of contention. Right. It's not a thing we have to super negotiate because we both have to approve of every little step. It's we have our relationship in spite of sex and don't have to worry about, okay, now that I'm in a relationship with this person, I'm giving up what else? It's no, I'm not giving up anything. Let's be in the relationship because we love each other, because we can like to spend time with each other and, and we want to grow old together. Right. And then the sex stuff is just like, this is like step B or C. Like it's a lower priority. It's find somebody you really like that you enjoy spending time with, that you can go explore the world with, marry that person, whatever you want to call your relationship, you know, or persons. And then, of course, yeah, have some great sex, too, with each other, with other people, whatever. But the the great sex part is the after. Right. You know, it's not the foundation. I think people think that this is because it's a swing conference that the foundation is sex, and it's not. It's really communication, consent, and really mutual happiness. Like nobody here. I don't. I hope there aren't many, if any, couples who are here where they're like, "Well, we just came here so we can get laid." I don't. I, I think if you ask people, most people say we came here. We probably will get laid. But, but we're we here to make here friends, to make friends, and to grow our relationship. Meet other like-minded people we right. like, and, and to, to honestly have a good time. Yeah, pleasure should not be something that is on the guilt list. You should never feel bad for feeling good. Exactly. Well, I say on the show, like uh, you can feel good and be good in the same body at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. But like religion tells you, everything that feels good is bad. Like you know, you should shun the ways of the world and shun the desires of your flesh <laughs> well if god cares so much of it what, god put me in this body why would god put me in this body and then tell me to ignore everything this body wants like this body is my temple 
mm-hmm. but I'm supposed to ignore, like, you don't, who does that? Like, you don't walk into anybody else's house and say, never mind everything that the house wants. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, it's funny because someone told me once, well, sex is the most important thing in a relationship. And I said, well, no, it's not. But breathing is not the most important thing about being alive either. But don't try to remove it. Right. You know, it's a part of who we are. Just don't deny it. Exactly. So we're going to be back in just a moment with a lot more Reverend Jamal. So hold on one second. Hey, honey, you know those new toys I wanted to try out? Yes. The ones that you said it's going to cost me way too much money to have? Oh, yes. But... I found this new service called kinkcrate.com. Sounds interesting. Yeah, and for $50 a month, they send you a box of toys that are worth anywhere from $75 to $100. And it's like great starter kit, like, you know, that rope play we wanted to try or your favorite medical play. So why don't we just go check it out? I heard if you go to livingasexpositivelife.com's sponsor page. They can get you an additional 33% off. Uh, see, it's such a steal, babe. Come on, 33% off our first box, please. Okay, we are back, and we are going to cover a, a topic close to my heart, um, which Mine is, too. yeah, about two feet, but a lot closer in a lot of other ways. But um want to talk about dealing with bisexuality, specifically for men uh, with the type of masculinity we're raised around. It is a very difficult issue um a lot of men will come up with terms with uh heteroflexible which is one of those you know just be who you are but it seems like that that seems like that gateway term well Um, you know all these terms. i mean you know i i i look at labels and those terms as just a means by which i can have an easier conversation with somebody who may not be able to have an easy conversation with me Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't look at them. I think there's a difference between using them as a tool and using them as uh, a source of identity. I think like now, mostly because, you know, I say this to a lot of my, um, gay friends, they go, I mean, the number of times I open up Instagram and I see Insta gay and I'm like, what is an Insta gay? (laughs) Did you Insta gay? Yeah. It's a hashtag. I'm like Insta gay hashtag Insta gay even comes up in rainbow colors and everything. I'm like, what does that mean? It's like, it's just our way of letting everybody know that I'm gay. I'm like, would you instantly? Or wh- what does that mean? Like, I'm like, and why do you care? Now, I, I don't really care, but some, I think there's some people that are taking these labels and they're using them because they've been looking for an identity. Mm-hmm. And then somebody puts something in front of them that they think matches what they're looking for. So they adopt it. And I think that becomes a problem. So for me, I, I went through a period in my life where I identified as gay. Because that was the label that people put in front of me. And it, it appeared to most closely match what I thought I was going through. Because I had a fiancé. We were getting married. When I told her I was attracted to men, I never said I wasn't attracted to her. I just said, hey, I need to tell you, there's this guy. And I have these feelings about him and this attraction to him. And she interpreted that the way she knew how. I interpreted it the way I knew how. But all I knew at the time, back then was okay because that was the story that was written in every book and in every movie Mm -hmm. um, back then in like the 80s and 90s of the guy who had the girl the perfect life and then oops i didn't notice that i like guys so then all of a sudden that guy's gay and the girl goes off and mad and everything else and whatever and the guy is kind of 
thrilled and living a whole new life and having a whole new puberty and all that stuff. Oh, God, what is that 90s movie? Um, In Out, uh, I, I could picture it because Tom Selleck was in it as a gay guy. But I know exactly um, the script you're talking about. Yeah, and I, I can't remember it either. Um, I remember one, that um, Object of My Affection with Paul Rudd. Did yep. you ever see that one? That one was, you know, he had the... You know, so he had the girl that liked him and, you know, but he didn't like her and then some, whatever. Anyway, so I, but somebody put that label in front of me at some point in my life and not fully knowing everything. It was, I, and I wanted an identity. So I took it and mm-hmm. then I got in it and I'm like, no, that's not it either. Because then you're hanging out with all the gay guys who are like, well, I don't ever want to do anything with the girl ever. Or like the, the gay ones who are like, Ooh, pussy yuck. You know, and um, or doing all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I came over here because I didn't fit over there. But really, I'm blaming them. Really, they're not. It's not their fault. It was my fault. I took that identity on. So well, we all I wanna... like to use the labels to, to have the conversation. But I, I get sensitive to like when people start adopting them as identities. Like I am bisexual. I do bisexual things. I will have sex with another guy. Um, but like I, the I am and what follows I am is more identity label than I think describing. I just think I'd rather just say I'm going to describe what I like as opposed to saying what I am. I think a lot of people want to belong to a group. And right. when they say I'm gay, I'm bi, I'm straight, I'm this, it makes them feel like they've joined a team. Exactly. And we're, we, you know, right now we're in a very bipartisan environment. Oh, I'm Republican, I'm Democrat, I'm conservative, whatever. Um, but at the same time, I always thought labels are what we put on ourselves to communicate to others. Sure. Because if I have to sit here and explain to you everything in my life that I am, we're going to be sitting here a while as opposed to saying, hey, I'm a bi-married male in an open relationship. But there's more to me than that. I'm not li- Don't be limited by the label. Right. I think that's the, the key. I think people, but then all of a sudden you put this label on yourself or you adopt this label and then people start conforming to that label. Um, as if it's a limit as opposed to I mean it's the whole, really it's going back to the whole religion thing again you're the creator so how can you fit in it like you created this you pick the label you put it on yourself you got to be bigger than the label so I guess my point is I think I'm bigger than my label that's a good way to put it that's a, that's definitely a great way uh, again I think we need labels to communicate yeah. but at the same time too many people yeah. limit themselves that or better yet start judging others based on the label and like the funniest thing i got was i got a very confused look of your bi so do you dance as opposed to if straight guys don't dance and only the gay guys can dance actually she even put in there but you're bi and white i'm like i don't know what that means so if i'm black and gay can i super dance yeah (laughs) yeah right no i mean and those are perfect examples of why sometimes those labels don't work but but yeah, um, I honestly, I think I have a friend, a, a lady friend back uh, in Chicago where I used to live, and she used to say this all the time. Our friends hated it, but they wouldn't deny it. She's like, I think most people are bi. I, and I, st- I continue to believe that. Um, my, whether they call themselves that or not, most folks who have lived for a while have discovered that there's probably stuff on the lines that they maybe cross or get a little closer to than more things that they get closer to than they would let on. Let me put it that way. And I think a lot of it is, is hiding it or just plain coming to terms with it. Because a lot of the stuff that they, we don't put in our faces. 
we may have the feelings, but you know, we're not really going to deal with them right now. Right. Again, we're we're put with that. I call it the Hollywood lie of the lifestyle of getting the American dream and all that. And then you're going to meet someone, look into their eyes, and everything will just fall into place, which it never does. Yeah, well, I, you know, and it kind of I get disappointed by this because I feel like everybody's sort of sacri- comp- compromising. Like most people are not expressing their full sexual identity because of what they think that means. Like most men won't share their bisexual feelings or thoughts because they're afraid that that will mean that they're going to be labeled gay. And if you are honest with yourself, the only reason you're afraid of that is because that some another is correlated to being less of a man or closer to a woman. But, but then if you think about that, less of a man means being closer to a woman. So you really think women are less than men. Like this, a whole comp- so wait a minute. So you, so you really don't respect your wife because that's really the issue, right? The, the people, the reason why nobody wants to be a gay man is because a gay man is viewed as less of a man, more like mm-hmm. a woman. But the same men will tell you that, oh, but I support equal rights for women. I adore my wife. She's my partner. I couldn't exist without her. Well, but you think she's less than you. No, I don't think that. Well, but doing anything that she does or having any kind of characteristics that are like her, not good for you. I mean, that's really that's what that dichotomy we get. That right. we, we support we support half of what we say. Yeah, exactly. But the reality is, being a man has nothing to do with any of that shit. Well, your sexuality doesn't determine your masculinity, right. because I've met straight guys who I swear were gay back back in the day. Yeah. And I know gay guys now who, you know, they, they, they have masculinity coming out like Henry Rollins. Right. So none of that matters. What you exactly. enjoy sexually is on an island to itself. It's like what you enjoy in food. No one's going to say you don't, like base, you don't like apple pie so you can't play baseball. They're completely different things. It still cracks me up because you think about it, it's this whole sexual inequality stuff. Honestly, like even like... Um, you know, gay men, especially a gay man who's primarily a bottom, think like, okay, you're weaker. Most men, I mean, anal sex, I mean, it, it feels good, but most people would admit that it hurts, you know, and most, the one who can take it is the weak one. <laughs> and to me, it doesn't make I any never sense. thought of it that way. Like, you start taking dicks up your ass and, and not complaining about it and then call me weak. Like, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Like to me, so it, but again, childbirth, I'm told that shit hurts. Oh, hell no. Right? But yeah, but then men will still tell ourselves that we're the stronger sex. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Now, I'm not advocating that one's stronger than the other. I think we're all equal, which is why it shouldn't well, matter at all. We're equal, but we are different. Right. It's okay equal to recognize different. those different things. Exactly. Equal is not the same. You can be equal, but you don't have to be the same. Any parent knows that. You have multiple kids, you love them equally, but you cannot love them all the same no because each can't. of them are going to require right, different they need love. different stuff and the fact of whether who's the oldest or the youngest in a way affects their role of what they're trying to play and need different attention right but why should your relationships <clears throat> and your sexuality be any different like equal and the same they're not the same thing huh and i wish everyone thought like that yeah well one day we'll get there but until then they can just keep listening to us so here's a question how can people find you 
um, easy. So the the second coming show at two C show XX on Instagram because somebody has at two C show and they only have two posts. I can't get them to give it up. So Damn. at two C show XX on Instagram is for the show. At Rev Jamal R E V J A J A M A L is my Instagram, and then at Two C Show um, for Facebook and Twitter. You can find me on either one of those as well, and the or you can go to Two C Show dot com. The number two, the letter C Show dot com, and that's our website with links to the podcast the and all the other stuff on there too. Cool. Hey, well, thank you very much for coming up and talking about uh, some great topics. I know stuff you're passionate about, but I'm going to let you go free so you can enjoy more of Naughty in New Orleans. I, I'm going to go get in some foam, I think. You're going to get some foam? There, foam party There's a foam, there is a foam party tonight. Yeah. I don't know what time that is. I think it's like happening now. Oh, damn. Now I feel guilty. I took you away from a foam party. Is that, I mean, well, like these things go for hours, you know. That is true. I just hope they don't run out of foam. Wow, I missed quite a bit. Damn, that conversation was so hot and good. Ooh, can't wait. We'll look forward to seeing him hopefully next year down in New Orleans because we thoroughly enjoyed it, especially meeting the owners, getting to meet lots of interesting people and other podcasters too. So hopefully we'll get to be more exposed to the swinging lifestyle podcasters and more but we'll definitely see everybody next year at Naughty New Orleans. Bye. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, good, bad, evil comments. Let us know and share the love or the hatred, whichever it is, because we need it all. We need to let people know that we talk about it all and we share it all. Thanks for supporting us. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoy what you heard, please remember to like, subscribe, and leave feedback, as this would mean a lot to us. Also, you can sign up for our newsletter at livingasexpositivelife.com. We appreciate you giving us this opportunity to entertain and educate you, and hope you enjoy the experience. We'll see you next time.